Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents channel. My name is Jesse Durham. Welcome to the show. Recently, I was down in Greenville, South Carolina, where I gave a podcast interview with my good friend, Jay Dew. That's Jeremiah Dew from the Banking Bros. They're all online. And we were talking about the beginning of my own IBC experience. We had a neat background because we were both in the same room at the same place in time where we saw an introduction to the infinite banking concept eight years ago now at this point at the same time so it was really neat to talk about my origin story with the infinite banking concept and then how i have over the years moved into professional roles including the coaching and the mentoring that i do with the cash compound which is his organization, him and his brother Jonah. So it was a great conversation with my friend. It was great to think back about how we got started in this space of teaching other people and encouraging other people on their way of becoming their own bankers with the infinite banking concept. And then, of course, talking about things that we do by fielding calls from potential clients and speed up the learning curve on the infinite banking concept. So it was just a great conversation. It's good insight into different things that are going on right now and how we are helping people. So I'll share that interview with you now, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Cash Compound Podcast. On this episode, we introduce you to one of those mysterious voices behind those one-on-one -on -one consultations. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jesse Durham. What's up, everybody? Glad to be here. It's Jay Du and Mr. Jesse Durham in studio for the Cash Compound Podcast today. So wherever you are listening or looking in from on our channels, we appreciate if you like what you're seeing and hearing to like, subscribe, and follow for more about your wealth building. So Jesse, you finally made it to the office. So happy to see you here, but you're actually not new to our team at all, and you've been hanging around for a while. Introduce yourself to everybody. Tell us which way you're coming from, man. North Carolina. This is nice to be down at the office in person instead of over Zoom calls and such, but happy to be here. Yeah, well, we're a virtual office, obviously, and so we've been helping people all across the country and slightly outside of the country now because uh, we can help you in U.S. territories get started, Puerto Rico, and send you to our great friends up in Toronto. But I heard North Carolina in there. Where in North Carolina are you coming from? Which way? And uh, tell us what's going on in your neck of the woods. Yep. So for people that may or may not be familiar, Asheville is normally the closest bigger city right. that I'll okay. ask them to orient from. All right. Yeah. Love me some Asheville. But okay. So it sounds like you must be in the woods. So That's how right. far are, are you? And So and I'm what? from Tryon, North Carolina. Tryon. Okay. So if you're coming up from South Carolina here where you guys are, as soon as you get into North Carolina, that first little rural patch of woods that you drive oh, that's you on your way to Asheville. Okay. Would be oh, that's you. That's you guys. Okay. Very good. What do people do in that area? Well, I mean, I've done a few things, I guess, in the county before I do what I do now, mm -hmm. which is I'd worked at the sheriff's office as a sheriff's deputy for oh, some years. Yeah. Then I taught at the high school and then got out of government education. We homeschool our kids now, do business from home and everything that we do now. Very good, man. So take us back before we get into what keeps you busy now and how we're helping people with the theme of wealth building, cracking that code, learning what the wealthy have been able to do for 200 years. Take us back. Tell us about Jesse. So number one, what? how do you take your eggs? How do I take my eggs? Yeah. 
from my chickens. Oh, yeah. Okay. Every night I go out to... That is a patch of woods, isn't it? No. I'm telling you. Okay, man. yeah. Our chickens, our eggs. Okay, <laughs> so a person with your type of man's man caliber, mm-hmm. tell us about how you grew up then. So tell us about your family uh, coming up before we get into your family of today. So give us a background and, of course, work into that conversation a little bit of where you came from before you started practicing this specific financial strategy. What did you guys think about money growing up? Sure. Well, the only thing I probably knew about money in particular, I'll answer that last question first, I guess, because I grew up in a big family. The only thing I probably knew about money was that I was supposed to tithe and offer okay. at my local church. All right. I to do that. Very happy about that. That's a, that's a great and a wonderful thing to be able to give to others, you know, from what you're doing. Okay. Yes. Um, and I guess I was probably somewhat aware of taxes being a thing, you know, if I wanted to buy something, okay, pay taxes. All right. And then it probably stopped right there. Okay. You know, I, so I, that's I, it. Huh? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I had one brother that was older than me and I got a checking account and a savings account when he did. And right. I knew about CDs when he told me about CDs. Um, so we did everything very, very traditionally. So, so after, after growing up, deciding to still live in the town where I had Growing up as a child, I did. I, I worked at the sheriff's office, lived in town, went to that same church, all those all those things. Decidedly, you know, I, I have been able to travel a good bit, my wife and I, and she was my high school sweetheart. Okay. Um, we'll did she have chickens, too, her family? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, this is yeah, the thing up she's there. getting into. Next time I go yeah, up there toward otherwise. the Biltmore, I'm going to stop in this patch of woods, see what's <laughs> going should. on. You should. Okay. Um, but... Uh, when we when we got married, you know, she was pursuing a career after getting her four year degree. I was pursuing a career after getting four year degree. We're doing all the conventional things, okay. we had retirement plans with yeah. our employers, contributed to four hundred one ks, all those typical things until twenty fifteen when we were introduced to IBC. Okay, I could dive in right there if you want. Not yet, not yet, not yet. I want to know about your work background as well. So tell us, you said um, sheriff's office and education. Be more specific there, but how did it all start for you? What did you do with money? We talked to a lot of people out there uh, in the world who are, this is not day one for them. Mm -hmm. They have habits. Mm -hmm. They have thoughts around money and what they should do with it or what they shouldn't do. So how did you spend or not spend your money? Okay, I do like that. That's a good point, actually. So the habits that I developed prior to being married and prior to starting a career were only tithing as far as personal choice habits. So outside of giving to my local church, I spent everything that I Everything else. And I worked hard. Okay. Like summers, weekends. I was working because I was courting my wife. Right, I mean, right. I, She's I mean, expensive. I, I want steak dinners. I want. Oh, okay, very good. She stuff. probably didn't want any of that. And you I, wanted it. You're no, like, look. No, 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 sure, <laughs> okay, right? very good. But, but but the answer is that I I worked really really hard and we did a lot of fun stuff. So I spent everything that I earned. Worked really really hard mm-hmm. all summer. Yeah. Every summer to be able to go out and have the steak dinners and, and those types of things. Courting my wife, or or buying a new gun, okay, whatever it is that I wanted to do, and it was similar. Did she have a similar background with money and habits, or she just said, "Hey, I like steak, so I'm hanging with this dude." I would I would say, as far as her personal habits, she would have been much better of a saver Mm. than I was. She had money coming out of college after going through and getting our four year degrees. She had saved some money. She'd Mm -hmm. been more prudent with hers. I'd spent mine. 
Right, right. Well, you had to get her, and if you got her to like you, then you could, what's mine is ours, right. and you but could use you her pool of money. Oh, dang it. Then you started spending her money, too. <laughs> got it. It was ours. Okay. Was See, ours. that's what I'm saying. What's, what's <laughs> mine is yours, and what's yours that's is ours, right. or that's whatever. Right. Well, we, we didn't have kids for a while, okay. decidedly. Uh, so we, we traveled, and, and we bought the things that we wanted to buy. So I would say that, really, I mean, we ended up spending um, everything that we earned. Mm-hmm. So what was the realization that things could or should be different? How did that process, right? It probably wasn't a moment. How did that process begin with you guys? You're obviously doing differently now than you were then. So help us understand the transition. Well, there would have still been years of she's pursuing her career. I'm pursuing my career. We are making contributions to what we're supposed to do. Okay. Right? What we've qualified plans that's you right. mentioned. Qualified plans. And some of it now, some of it now I can recognize was was compulsory, like state retirements, for example. I I, I much wish I would have had that six percent of income but now no chance in my pocket right. those years right. versus it being taken from me. Um so some of that was out of our hands, but we were we were actively trying to do the things that we were told were what we need to do to have nest egg, to have retirement, and those types of things. We even had whole life insurance. Oh, yeah. Each of our family members. Okay. We had our oldest son prior to infinite banking because it just looks like a prudent, smart, you know, asset to own. Wow. I didn't look at it as an asset. I didn't know anything about that when I was coming up. And so my transition was, it took some time to understand how it could be used, mm-hmm. how it could be used and all that. But uh, great on the background here. So you're now an entrepreneur, but you are in very government and corporate environments. So help me understand getting away from IBC here in a second. We'll talk a little bit more about your journey and what you've been able to do and accomplish. And of course, how we help people around here now that you're on the team. Mm-hmm. But Give me a, a more of that picture of um, how, how, how was I bringing it up just now? Um, your corporate structured transition to more entrepreneurial life. Help me understand that because it seems like you can't get any further away from each other on the spectrum. For sure. For sure. So I'd already experienced one career change when I decided, you know, night shifts, 12 hour shifts, those types of things mm-hmm. weren't for me. Yeah, we want we did want to have kids and a family and that type of thing. So when a teaching position came open at the high school, I jumped on that because you're off on summers, you're off on the weekends, okay. you're not working at nights and, yeah. and those types of things. But even changes like being paid once a month, only ten months out of the twelve months of the year, oh yeah, versus being paid every other week with a sheriff's office, for example, that was a change. So there was a career change, the financial side of things. We're different. Yeah. So now, were you prepared? Were you, uh, what was your degree in? You you could, this seems like they're super, quite a bit different from each other, sheriff's office to teacher. I was never, I envied the people that knew what they wanted to do yeah, okay. growing up. Yeah. So in college, I actually did become bilingual in Spanish, majored in Spanish, and a double majored in criminal justice. Oh, so I yeah. actually pursued each of those careers in some form or fashion. Right. What about the teaching certificate that you probably ended up having? So I did a lateral transfer. Gotcha. So I had all the Spanish and then some that I needed. So then it was just doing state required, you know, classes on the side, even while I was still teaching Mm -hmm. for the a lateral entry into that profession. So how many years did you teach before you decided? Look, we're going to make them another move in our family. Three, three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what can you say 
if anything, what uh, you you attended a school. I know you're from a kind of a small area. Did you attend the school you taught at? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, you did. I worked at the school. Right. I went to. Okay. Very good. What was your GPA then? Before we get into more questions. Mm, mm, I don't know. That's a good question. He does know, ladies no, 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 and gentlemen. No, no. I bet you we're going to figure it out. No, I, I don't know what it is. Okay. I have to look it up. I gotcha. was I was not tracking on that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, was, I was probably one of those folks that um, does not apply himself for, uh-huh. unless it was an area that I was interested in. Yep. And then everything else was, was just I feel like run of the mill, unstoppable, unstoppable, like Spanish. Uh, that was something you picked up really well. cool to me, and I just yeah. mm-hmm. okay. So now you're deciding at some point you're going to transition. You know what the school life. I don't know what it was. Was it bureaucracy? Was it, look, the money isn't going to be coming in the way I want it to be coming in. What made you jump ship and go entrepreneurial? The reason I ask that is when we talk about BYOB around here, become your own banker, Mm -hmm. most people are not tracking their habits, their finances in a way that they can emphasize the two most important words in that four word phrase, your own banker, right? Your own. And uh, so you decided to launch out and I'm pretty sure it was a pretty abrupt leaving moment for you. How long ago was that? What was on your mind? And tell me about the journey uh, up until now. It was 2015. So yeah, really set career path with teaching for sure. And I I had a friend call me up, asked me for coffee, saw a business model, and it was just one of those matrix moments, just oh, an aha moment really? for me. Okay. And it made a lot of practical sense in that all the teachers that I knew, they did something on the side. You needed to, yeah. you know, whether they were doing real estate investing or whether they picked up a second job, whether they did photography on the side, teachers were doing something else for income. Yeah. And, and I was open in that area and I had hobbies that I was interested in and, and dabbled in. Uh, but when I saw that particular business opportunity, I did build it on a part-time basis just for a few months and then went at it full-time. And again, my wife and I on the home front, we we knew that we wanted to homeschool our children, okay. which is a really interesting position as a government school teacher. So th- there were home things going on. There were financial reasons to go into business. There were all those, all those things, I think, combined but it was just it was just a right opportunity for me and i was open-minded to doing something in business now when a lot of people start their own business jump ship or even want to do something in the world of what we call ibc uh they have a hard time connecting with their spouse on those ideas there might be that matrix moment as you called it with themselves, but it takes some time or effort or even some tears to help the family transition as a whole so give us the journey on that for you what was it like explaining the new path to the missus that's an interesting question so i was really heavy on the business side of things for especially a, the the first year which makes sense if you're starting a business yeah um okay but there there were fruits as well so we what we did was we were really really intentional about travel okay and and, and yeah. that was great because my wife and i for our honeymoon we spent 40 days traveling really the the day after we got married because we didn't have our jobs and careers yet so we had no obligations timeline wise okay so we were gone and you had to get out of the woods go see something we went to different woods we went to the redwoods in california redwoods and and all all kinds of neat things yeah hot air ballooning in uh, albuquerque and all kinds of cool stuff okay yeah so we love travel so that was the that was the reward for us essentially and going into business where we had a lot more time freedom, 
a lot more upside potential on income. Mm-hmm. So for us, we wanted to be able to travel and, and do things together as a family, like she and I had done for those years before we had children. Because we had about seven years before we gotcha. started having children. Okay, So that helped, I think, in, in the transition is what I'm getting at to answer your question about, yes, there were hardships. There were so many changes. I mean, you and I, before we hit record, we were talking about different books that we'd read mm-hmm. right. and what we liked and things like that. So there was a lot of work that went into the business side, but there were a lot of rewards along the way to, to offset. Now, outside of your nuclear family now, you've got a lot of siblings, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You, you came from a big family from the area. So as you're making this transition, is it accepted with your extended family, what you were doing then, and of course, what you're doing now? You're still entrepreneurial. You're yep. out of the rat race, as people may call it. Robert Kiyosaki, of course, terms it the rat race. If you're not able to get those passive dollars, uh, those passive um uh, dollars coming in to take care of your expenses and things like that. So connect me to your outside family at this, the po- folks you grew up with. Well, it's interesting because growing up, we worked a lot of summers together. For example, a lot of it for us was landscaping. Yep. So me and my brothers, while we're pitchforking mulch or what have you, um, we would talk about you know what we would do later on in life own beachfront properties together, own mountain homes together, do businesses together. And I don't know that we had, you know, practical ideas on, on how to get started in that direction, but mm-hmm. that's what we wanted. And that's yeah. what we talked about constantly. Okay. So, so you guys I, are dreamers. Oh yeah. Yeah. And doers. It seems like working like hard doing stuff together. Yeah. Sure. For, for sure. And, and this opportunity came along when I started in on business, I was like, this is it. This is it. This this will be what we'll do. Because nobody had brought anything to the table, you know, to the family. We're just out there pitchforking and dreaming, right? right? Okay. And, and you know, I had one brother that really saw it and got it. You know, another brother that saw it and and participated at, at a minimum level because I was. Yep. And then from there, it was, it was radio silence. Really? Yes. Okay. And, and I would say that's pretty much, that's pretty much translated to where I'm at right now. Really? As well. So I have have a brother that is a client of mine now, and he was the same brother that was a partner in that business. Gotcha. Makes so, sense, so right? Habits, you know, like we talked about kicking this podcast off, most of us are pretty set in, in, in our habits. And, and, and when, we, when we do have a moment of seeing a different perspective or a different opportunity, it can still be hard, of course, mm-hmm. to make that move, but... So what type of habits can someone out there who's listening on our channel employ to move to the next step in life? So many people out there who listen to us, and I realize that they are taking this in right now. They're trying to figure it out, and they're trying to see, is this for me? What should I do? How will I feel if I make this move? And whatever that might be, maybe specifically with us and the process that we teach and help people understand. But what is it that separates you from another brother out there who dreams big, um, but doesn't make all the same moves. Mm-hmm. You laughed at me when I said this earlier, pointing out that it, that it references scripture, but I believe that especially for folks that listen here, they're already paying attention. But that saying of he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. I mean, it's a choice, you know, we, we, so there are a lot of opportunities that are available for everyone but for the people that that get it and then actually do something with it. I mean, it was daunting, you know, to to 
at the same time, be excited about, oh, okay, I could become my own banker. But that means I need to figure out, you know, an appropriate amount of premium for my situation, for mm-hmm. example, and right. then actually write the check. Yeah, right. So, so that could be a daunting moment. Right. Yeah. Some, some people do it. Some people don't. Gotcha. Okay. You mentioned a couple of books out there. So before we get into what we're doing here at the Cash Compound today and how you're coaching and helping people move on and and get them to write that check and invest in their selves to be their own banker, give us a book recommendation or two that you think we need out there. You mean beyond becoming your of own Of course, banker, beyond that, Nash. right? Beyond that. <laughs> of course, Nelson Nash's book is the foundational tool that helps us, the field guide to get us to where we understand the process of banking and personal finance. But what are some of those other things out there? Leaders are readers. Mm-hmm. And I think you've probably got a few on your shelf. Mm-hmm. Well, I like, I like a holistic approach to life. I'm always reading one book at the same time in a few different, a handful of categories that are important to me. So I'm always reading a book about marriage. I'm always reading a book about being a father or parenthood. I'm always reading a book about finances. I'm always reading a book about leadership or business or something associated there. You know, I'm always reading a a history book. So just a few key areas. So if I were to say something beyond becoming your own banker and Nelson's other books, it probably wouldn't surprise plenty of people if I said rich dad, poor dad in that particular category. It just seems to be a really a really good story. And I think that we learn a lot by stories. It's a good story to read about outside of the financial world and the 21st century. Then give us something that you like. You mentioned history. Give Mm -hmm. us another category of book that will change our life or we need to pick up because you just put it down and you're like, this is a good one. Right. So if, if I had to pick one from each of the categories, for example, that I listed, I would say the five love languages is great, both either for the marriage version, because there's 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 a version for the adults, but there's also a version of the five love languages of children. Really? I don't know if I knew that one. Oh, man. Well, okay. Four kiddos. Right. I got to, a few kids. You got to add that to the library. Uh-huh. Um, and it's worth rereading as they get to different ages. I mean, you've certainly caught on to that, that some things are worth revisiting from when they were maybe six years old. Yep. Now they're eight years old. That's You're exactly right. That's wise. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those would be maybe a, a marriage one and a, and a parenting one, the five love languages. Um, for me, physical fitness, nutrition, mm-hmm. people that are interested in that one would be barbell, uh, starting strength, uh, barbell training. It's called the blue book, the blue book, uh, but it's by Mark Ripito, uh-huh. starting strength method. It's really simple. I really like that. Okay. It's been a good lifestyle choice for me to adopt that approach to nutrition, physicality. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about helping people. Now we got them. Speaking that love language to their spouse and their kids, <laughs> they're out here getting swole, mm-hmm. all right, and they're getting their financially fat wallet taken care of, rich dad, poor dad. We got those areas covered. Now let's talk about the coaching. Uh, a few months ago, like you said, nine months now, nine months ago, I gave you a buzz, yep. and I said, hey, man, I know you're practicing IBC. I know you're serious about that. We had several conversations over a few years. We actually saw the information live for the first time in the same room together. Yep. And uh, tell us now the journey that you've had with the Cash Compound coaching folks. I said, hey, man, I got more calls that I can take. Can you help out? These people are asking lots of questions. They're warm in the sense that they have heard the terms now and they think they want to do it, but hey, I'm too busy to train you or help you understand every nuance. Just see if they want to start. How did you feel when I made that call toward you? And obviously, where are you now? Who have you met on the phones? I got to know. 
Right. So what made sense because you and I have had our own private conversations about, hey, this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm doing with my policies, with my thinking about IBC over the years. So there's always been that, which has been a lot of fun and cool. And then when you said that you had more calls than you could handle, of course, the teacher in me relishes an opportunity to have a quality conversation with somebody yeah. and witness their aha moments ah, of, of okay. connecting dots. So I, yeah. I, I, I loved that. I, I, I had conversations today I told you about before we came in here together to record. Um, I love seeing people connect the dots. Um, so even though, even though I say that as a teacher, so to speak, I still believe that the real, the real rubber meeting the road is folks arriving at their own conclusions mm-hmm. and leveling up their understanding. So we talked to some really cool people. We do. We do all over the country. So give us um, some of the, a lot of listeners out there, they think they want to do this. They're listening to more folks and channels than just us. Mm-hmm. Help them understand who we're talking to. Is it someone special? Is it someone of a certain demographic or age? Who is it that's on on the phone with you this week, last week, last month, next month? And where are they coming from? What's their come from? So we can have some camaraderie to know. You know, maybe I'm not so lost after all, and there are people searching for the truth, how money really grows and flows, and uh, other people out there just like me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would say it's a mixture of... I can be talking in the same day, in the same week with a grandparent who has a myriad of assets and they're asking me questions about this banking process. And they're really more asking about how they want to set up things for their grandchildren. Mm. That's, that's one scenario. And at, yeah. at the same day, same week, I could be having a conversation with a 20 something year old saying, I, I made a hundred thousand dollars for the first time. I didn't think it was, it, it seemed to be less of a, a deal than I thought it was. And now I just, you know, looking at what's next for me. And I've heard about this banking idea. Um, and then, of course, everything in between. So the grandparents, the mm-hmm. folks that are getting out there with their first job or first career, everybody in between, you know, the folks that are calling me up saying, this was cool. Somebody called me up saying, Jesse, um, I came across the Banking Brothers information and also recently, I went to go get a new bass boat because me and my family mm. like getting in the woods. We like okay. doing this. And I was denied. And I was there with my kids at this expo or whatever it was. And he said, that's when it really hit me that. What do you mean he was denied? What does this mean? For approval to upgrade his uh, his RV or whatever it oh, was that, really? he was, that okay. he was looking for. Yeah. So he was denied right there on the spot. He said, I had my kids there with me and everything. We'd already you know built up emotionally to, oh, we're, we're going to upgrade. And then it was denied, wasn't able to get it. And then that's where he said it really set in on him that I could have been doing this myself. I mean, I could have personally financed that myself. Right. Become a own banker. So that's the aha moment there. Right. Yeah. And he's not going to forget that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, the, the process is um, it's so personal. A lot of people uh, on that note um, to kind of wrap things up, uh, think it's just about the product. Then, but you haven't said very much about the product at all, and you've said the word process a few times. So, help us understand what you're what you mean by that. Why isn't it the product? Well, I, my my opinion and what I've arrived mm-hmm. at is that properly structured whole life policies with mutual companies that pay dividends yeah. is the ideal asset. And I'm aware of 16 characteristics again that, in my opinion, make it the ideal asset. However, you could have a car just like I could have a car that came off of the assembly line, same make, same model, same interior, same everything. But if five years from now we agree to have lunch and you take great care of your car, all right, you have these processes in place that 
you take care of the oil and all these things. And I dog my car for the next five years. Right. It was the same car at the start. Yep. Same product at the start. Yep. But I, I very, very poorly mistreated mine. Whereas you took care of yours, we're going to have very different results. So it's, it's more about the process. Wow. Okay. I love to hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to know more about that process with Mr. Jesse Durham as part of the cash compound team, click the link in the bio. We'll put a link to his calendar specifically so you can find this man and have that aha moment as he talks and walks you through what infinite banking has done for him in his life and how he's helped so many other people. Jesse, thanks so much for coming down out of the woods (laughs) to be on the show with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So I hope that you enjoyed that interview. It was a pleasure for me to see and talk with my buddy Jay Do. And I'm glad that you were able to listen in on that conversation. If you had a big takeaway, please let me know down in the comment section. And if this has been valuable for you, please, this will be helpful. Like, share, comment. Mostly share with those that you would like to see win with money. Your friends, family members, business partners, those you those that you would like to see win with money share this concept with them if you're already on your way of becoming your own banker so that's for our clients and if you're vetting this concept if you'd like to get on our calendars and have a phone call if you would like to learn more about this subject of becoming your own banker i'm going to encourage you to check out nelson's book that's the source material on the infinite banking concept so go right to the source read nelson's book Get on our calendar. Let's have a conversation about your particular financial situation so that we can help you implement this concept into your household or your business or your investing. So this has been a great pleasure for me. I look forward to our next conversation. Have a great day.